I feel like this might be a good one for the husbands and the life partners. Okay, everyone, listen up. Listen good. Can you hear me? Gather around the campfire for I have news. She can't be so screechy. She's been on vocal rest. She's been on vocal rest. My best day. Probably a confusing day for you all. But you know what? I'm not waking up any husbands today, so everyone's happy. So this is the episode. So if you have a friend that you want them to peep their toe into OWD, send them this one. Hi, Ellen Mars. Hi, Patricia. Girl, tell them where we are. We are in the glamour. We are in a hotel room in Chicago. This hotel room is the size of a postage stamp. I'm sitting on the bed. He's sitting in a chair. I just had to film a self-tape, and Patricia had to be in the tub. That is not a lie. I did it in the bathtub, you guys. I'm an actor again. I had to do a self-tape for an audition, and I was like, okay, we're doing this. He had to rear back to his old acting training, get in the tub. I shot it in the bathroom, the glamour. You guys, we are on tour. We're wrapping up our live shows for 2021. We're going to close out this show and then we're going to do another show, right? Yeah. In the new year, we're going back out on the road, you guys. So get ready. We actually don't actually want to be at home at all. No. If that's possible, <laughs> if we can do like a 48-city tour, yeah. we would do it. That sounds great. You guys, if you want more of this nonsense, join us on the Patreon. Every month you get three full ad-free bonus episodes. We got some special surprises coming up. I don't know. Ad-free episodes. Tell them why the Patreon's amazing. Well, <laughs> we know it's just our like close friends and family. So yeah. we kind of like, we're, I feel like we're more, I mean, we're very authentically ourselves people, yeah. but I feel like people really get to know us in the drama you club. You get really the most about Ellen's sex life on the drama club episodes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, I was about to say, it could be a good or a bad thing. Honestly, yeah. it could drive people away, and I understand that. <laughs> but hopefully you want to come for the fun times yeah. and, the, and the secrets. Right. <laughs> All right, you guys, season six, episode six, City of Angels tells the story of the disappearance of Satara. Satara. Satara Stratton. Did you watch the episode? <laughs> Aspiring actress Satara Stratton leaves her home in Tennessee to try to make it in LA. She really wanted to do independent films. She had a desire to direct, a desire to write. She stays in regular touch with her mom but then suddenly stops. I knew there was something wrong. Sharon Stratton launches a dogged search to find her only child, facing the hard truth of her daughter's drastic decline. She'd been on a downward spiral for a while. And looking deep into the seedy side of a star-studded city. So many young women come out here and seek uh, fame and fortune, but there's many more people that are looking to prey on somebody like that. So, you guys, we're starting on a Tuesday, November 22nd, 2011. We're at a payphone in downtown LA, girl. Yeah, and, you know, I thought it was really late for payphones to be around. I'm not going to lie. I agree. We learned that Satara and her mother talk on this payphone for 45 minutes. Yeah, and I was like, "Where? how did you get the amount of quarters? What is that, $47 worth of quarters? Babe, that's a lot of quarters. That's a lot of quarters. It's a lot of background noise, too. A lot of background noise. But we learned that Satara was an... Satara is an 
Satara is an <laughs> aspiring actress in LA. She's calling her mom in Chattanooga on this payphone. Yeah. And she's basically telling Mama Sharon that she kind of wants to come home. Mama Sharon is here. It's a big relief to Mama Sharon. Satara's been in Los Angeles for a long time and it hasn't gone great, girl. Yeah, we're gonna- Did you ever live in LA? I did with Ellen Radzuski okay. and Amaya and we shared a one-bedroom apartment. You guys- A one-bedroom apartment. If you're wondering who Amaya is, if you ever watched the Hawaii season of The Real World, that is one of our dear friends. Ellen grew up with her. We went to high school together <laughs> and we moved to LA and we- Shared what? One room. No. Three single beds. You're sitting in my hotel room for one hour and it's already too small. I can't, the three of you living together? We lived together and Ellen and I drove cross country. It was Ellen Square <laughs> driving cross country. I can't imagine that. More on that later. We did stop in Cheyenne, Wyoming. It was gorgeous. Okay. Anyway. Hey, mom, it's me. She had called to tell me that she was wanting to come home. For university professor Sharon Stratton. The news is a welcome relief. For nearly a year, Sharon had watched from afar as her daughter struggled with health and legal problems in her adopted home of Los Angeles. It was very hard going. I never thought she would be in such a situation. So Mama Sharon is a professor at a university and Satara says she wants to come home and Mama Sharon's like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I just, she just really wants her baby back. More on Mama Sharon. I have a lot of internal struggles with yeah. Mama Sharon that I will share later. Well, we learned that Satara's grandma is sick, and Satara wants to like go home and spend time with her before she like passes. Right, and she's been in a little legal trouble, some financial trouble, and all like it didn't go great. And you guys, I gotta tell you, these are some of the most epic mugshots I've ever seen. In one of the mugshots, Satara looks so completely annoyed. Yeah, like in mugshots, you usually like look sad or angry. Satara looks so fucking annoyed in yeah. one of these pictures. I honestly think like what's worse? Like would you just like muster up a smile? Or do, Those you, are the best when you see the mugshots where people are like smiling like ah. then, what should I do? There's a camera in my face. I feel like I would awkwardly smile or I will awkwardly smile you because are, it, it's not if it's when. No question that you're yeah. going to be arrested. Yeah, no absolutely. question that you're going to be arrested. You shall bail me out. Yeah. <laughs> So, it's the only thing that would get me to Jersey City is to bail your ass out of jail. Honestly. <laughs> and I would expect you to do a live. I the was going to say, I, Insta stories for days. <laughs> for well, days. it happened, everyone. Here we go. <laughs> and everyone's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. we knew it was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the support, though. I actually do. Thank My you. pledge. So, Satara's I'm doing it for the followers, honey, not for you. <laughs> it's for the content. Yeah. We talked for about 45 minutes on what we needed to do. Then, Satara says she has to hang up. Promising to call back in 15 minutes. But the call never comes. Time kept going on and there was no contact. For any other mother, a missed call from her grown daughter wouldn't necessarily raise alarms. But knowing the kind of trouble Satara had faced in the last year, Sharon is deeply concerned. So they're at the payphone and Satara basically says, hold on, mom, I'm gonna call you back in 15 minutes. And she never did. The amount of times I say in my life, I'll call you right back. And yeah. then my I do it to my mom all the time. My poor sweet mom. She's like, how was that bus ride? Because I'll be like, I'll call you on the other side of the bus. This. But this really freaks out Mama Sharon. Yeah. She's like, I knew she didn't have a phone on her. I was waiting for her to get home. I was giving her as much time as I could. But like, she knows something is wrong. And when she doesn't call back, it's really bad. This is where Christopher tells us that Satara has disappeared. And I said, what gave it away, Christopher? Yeah. <laughs> 
to Sharon was like, she didn't call back in 15 minutes. She's gone. Yeah. I was like, that went from zero to frantic, Mama Sharon. I really cannot tell how I'm going to be when Daisy's a grown up and living in her own city if she decides to leave New York, which why would anybody ever do that? But if she ever did, and like, I don't know. I Today I was like, I could go to LA every five days to see Daisy if she moves there. Absolutely. I feel, I feel like you would. Dad, why are you here again? You like, she's just so annoyed with you I at know. all times. I mean, she's seven and annoyed now. Imagine when she's 27. She's like, Dad, I'm on a date. I woke Daisy up the other morning and I was carrying her to the living room as I do every morning. And she literally, eyes so closed, goes, Daddy, before you even tell me, I know you love me. You don't have to say oh! it. It was the first thing she said. Why do they hate our love so much? Our love is aggressive. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I you guys, it. merch, our love is aggressive. Um, it really is. <laughs> Satara had moved to Los Angeles six years earlier in 2005 to pursue her childhood dream of acting and directing in films. As a child, Satara was always into performing arts. She started acting at the age of three with commercials, and she was a part of the Tennessee Ballet Company throughout her teen years. She started doing commercials at the age of three. I was like, I'm sorry, Mama Sharon, but like, she didn't decide to do that. The Somebody Donna made that Vivino decision of it all. <laughs> Explain to them who she Donna is. Vivino is our friend, yeah. and she was the original young Cosette on Broadway, and she started doing commercials when she was like three. Is she friends with Macaulay Culkin? I don't know, <laughs> but she was like, I mean, these child you know, stars. Daisy Egan, the host of Strange and Unexplained, she was famous on Broadway when she was 12. She won a Tony Award when she was 11 years yeah. old. There are pictures of her at 11. Seven years old partying with Macaulay Culkin, you guys. Yeah, she's partying like, pay no Macaulay attention to that cocaine in the corner. <laughs> Daisy did not do cocaine at age no, 11. Like the Drew Barrymore. <laughs> like pictures of Drew Barrymore at like Studio 54. I know. Anyway, Satara went to AMDA, which we have a lot of friends that attempted AMDA You're in gonna New York. You're going to blow past AMDA? I know. I mean, I mean, AMDA is ridiculous. Tell the kids what AMDA you guys, is. Yes, AMDA is like if you don't want to go to college and you want to like study like acting or musical theater, but you don't want to go for a degree program, you go to AMDA. Joke is they accept everybody. Yeah. They take every. I they know. even took me. They, they Seriously? Me. I didn't go, but I got accepted. That's how you know it's not a great program. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> if you know. went to AMDA, we still love you. No, great yeah. people went no. to AMDA oh, of like, course. Uh, you can be talented and go to AMDA. You just don't have to right. be. Right, right. <laughs> They don't not allow you if you're good. Right. Not you know? mutually exclusive. No. I get it. So after- oh, My voice is doing well. It is. My Aww. voice is really holding up. So, it feels good to laugh on pitch again. Look at you. <laughs> you guys. You guys, she's looking really hard at her notes. She's sitting on the bed. I think she's afraid she's going to get lost. No, I'm just not that smart. Okay. <laughs> I mean- It's a good episode so far, don't you think? Yeah. Okay. Are you going to keep coming at me? I just want to emotionally budget because we're on tour- <laughs> And I just, I need to like plan for like a couple days. How's this going to go? You're really dipping into that well, huh? Of like emotional stability. Yeah. I mean, it's, she's shallow. That well is shallow. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. Go right. back to studying your notes, sweetheart. All right. After a year in New York, Sitara decided to pursue her studies in Los Angeles to get firsthand experience acting and directing for film. That's when the petite brunette turned Hollywood blonde first encountered Laura Farr. We met in 2005. We both worked at the same establishment, and she was a waitress. She was 18 years old, and she was 
the oldest 18 year old I think I've ever met in my life. So Satara moved to LA after being in New York for a while. She did all the things you do when you go to LA. You go blonde. Yeah. I just wonder if like Amda really set her up for success. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Probably not. I'm thinking no. <laughs> so we meet one of her best friends, Laura Farr. Who's, who's here to spill all the tea. Oh yeah. Laura's got some tea. They Laura met- like wears cardigans, but like she used to fucking party. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, Laura. Yeah, she was, you know, blowing lines off the thighs of bellhops. But she yeah. literally was. Like, she tells us about, like, when they were, like, they worked together at a restaurant and then Satara moved in with her. And then, like, they would go to parties in the Hollywood Hills where celebrities were at. I mean, celebrities show up at, at all kinds of parties. Did I ever tell you I randomly wound up at Cuba Gooding Jr.'s Halloween party and the Foo Fighters were playing there? You're going with Cuba? It's, we're saying Cuba? Is it Cuba or I Cuba? Think so. <laughs> I think Oh, God, I'm going to get so many DMs. I thought it was Cuba Gooding Jr. Good, great. Anyway, I was at his house dressed as uh, fucking, what was her name from 101 Dalmatians? Cruella DeVille. I was dressed as Cruella DeVille at a party at his house. And then they were like, hold on, the band's playing. And we're like, oh, let's go out to the pool. It was the Foo Fighters. The band was was the Foo Fighters. Are you guys the Foo Fighters? Yeah. You're doing so well up there. That's why you don't bring. (laughs) Who are they? The Foo Fighters. The what? No, the actual Foo Fighters. Was one of them in Nirvana? I don't know. Okay. But I was at his house. (laughs) This is what happens in LA. You go to a party and then it's... Cuba's. If I was at Cuba's house, I would immediately go to his room and steal a pair of his underpants. Just, I'm going to say Cuba and Cuba, and then Jennifer can put either one in there. I'm glad you didn't hear what I said, because you would have sighed heavily. What did you say? I would have stolen a pair of his underpants. At this point, I just, (laughs) I'd walk it out, honestly. Like, okay. For Sharon, her young daughter's move cross-country to a strange city was daunting. The move to LA scared me more than the move to New York City. I think it's such a wider area. Transportation is different. You really can't get around as easily as you can in New York. But I felt like she could handle it. Her dad lived near San Francisco, so his being within the vicinity made it a lot easier on my mind. So all of this time while Satara is like sort of, you know, there working, kind of auditioning, kind of worried, Mama Sharon is worried. She said L.A. scared me more than New York. I was like, yeah, I get that. I don't, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know. I feel like New York, like, you can walk everywhere. Like, you, there's so much more danger in New York, I think. Really? Yeah. I don't know. L.A. is just vast. <laughs> right. See what I did there? Uh, I didn't even plan it's a call that. callback. Yeah. It's a callback. So, and also it should be said, I love how they just say her. Her dad lives in the Bay Area. Like her dad lives in San Francisco. You know that I wrote the dot 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 he, with his life partner. Yeah, he, he, he lives in the Hay. Like yeah. he lives in the Hay. But I mean, I'm just saying there was an air of recognition between the two of us. Dad's hot. Dad's Satara's super like, hot, and yeah. I am from the Bay Area, and I think she means San Francisco. Yeah. I'm just gonna throw it out there. <laughs> Judgment aside. But Mama Sharon says that having him in the vicinity made her feel better. I was like, sweetie, have you ever looked at a map? <laughs> Like, San Francisco is as close to L.A. as fucking... Portland, Maine! (laughs) Is to New York! All right? It's worth the drive. Sharon... It's for sure worth the drive. It's a small hotel room, girl. It's a little crowded in here. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, You know I have a live show as well. Next year, to all your venues. 
gonna see you're gonna see how loyal yeah. you, you people really are. Yeah. Right? No. So thanks they, for coming, Sharon. You'll see her at the merch table tonight, you guys. If my dad's dad can make it, it's on his last goddamn leg. So um, they also talk about the competition of show business, which we all know. You know, there's that old saying: if you can picture yourself doing anything else, you should do it. Yeah. Do you blah, ever blah, imagine blah. yourself like doing self tapes in a fucking bathtub, girl? Honestly. <laughs> The glamour. <laughs> she was so mad. She's like, I don't even have tape. I had to chew gum to stick my lines on. You guys, the wall. I didn't know my lines. This is this is real. I didn't know my lines. It was like eleven o'clock last night. I chewed gum to stick my lines to the wall of the bathroom in a hotel in Chicago. I am in the bowels of show business. Somebody oh, help me. You made it. So we're like six years later. She's been giving L.A. a go and we're back at the phone call and it's 24 hours later and Mama Sharon's called the police. Yeah, and the cops are like, well, we don't want to take this missing persons report, but by law we have to. L.A., you don't have to be a dick. Yeah. And Mama Sharon does the right thing. She calls the LAPD and asks for the missing persons unit. I got to talk about the reenactment actress. (laughs) Okay, great. I'd like to report a missing person, please. This reenactment actor talks like she's on an episode of Murder, She Goddamn Wrote. She's like, hello, I'd like to report a missing person. I was like, baby girl. I know. She's from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Like the director was like, take liberty. Have fun with it. She's Can like, we I, get Dame Judy for this? I mean, I was. she does it throughout. And I'd like to report a missing person, please. I was like, is this for me? Oh, my God. This is a gift from the baby Jesus. I'm doing a lot of snorting again, girl. Oh, I love. No I, headphones this week. Oh, I know. I love. <laughs> Did you miss it? I do. Okay. Still, Sharon is worried that because of her daughter's history, Satara's case will not be a priority. For the last year, the 24-year-old actress's life had spiraled out of control, resulting in multiple convictions on drug charges, mandatory rehab, and most recently, a short stint in jail. During that time, she was held for all of her court dates, as if they let her out, they were afraid she wouldn't come make her court appearance. Mama Sharon is super vague. She says because (laughs) of her history, she won't be taken seriously. And that's when I do a little lean in. I'm like, what? Well, she was given mandatory rehab. She did a short stint in jail. And when they had her in jail, they wouldn't let her be bailed out because they didn't think she'd show up for her court dates. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of denial from Mama Sharon. It's a little bit upsetting. I'll get into it a little bit more. The drug convictions, the rehab. And Mama Sharon said she just felt it in her gut something was wrong and that maybe she took off. I know. she insisted she wanted to come home. She's like, I mean, she spent $132 and quarters on that on that phone call. So I'm thinking she really wants to come home. I know. Sharon also suspects that someone is trying to keep her from contacting Satara. I immediately started Facebooking people to see if they had heard from her. Probably the next day, I was blocked. Sharon is certain Satara isn't the person blocking her access. Still, there's always the possibility that Satara simply doesn't want to be found. So, again, we're like 24 hours after Satara called her. Mama Sharon reaches out to her on Facebook and is immediately blocked. The shade. From Satara's page. Yes. Yeah, Mama Sharon like is like, well, people have her. People, people have, have, have someone's holding her captive. I, I was but like, I mean, 
mean, they're like it's not like they had a fight. Like like no. this is like an indicator that something is not going well. Right. So whatever. <laughs> but it she is, does go like zero to someone's holding her hostage. Yeah. Like faster than even I might. <laughs> yeah. You know? Which is pretty fast. Which is really fast. I know. <laughs> so so we go a little bit back. This is after about five years of moving to LA. After she had been struggling for a bit, we realize she changes her name to Satara Silver. She's kind of found her niche in indie films. She's making these like low budget like booby slasher movies. Yeah. Which you can find. They are like I found them on IMDb. Like you can watch trailers and stuff. They actually play clips of the real movies in this episode. Right. It's, right. It's interesting. And she just like sort of like, you know, it was sort of found her niche. She, Christopher tells us she's found a group of people she's making independent films with. They'd hang out in the bars and clubs of West Hollywood. I said, we're called gays, Christopher. <laughs> you can just say gays, girl. You love a WeHo moment. I remember when I was in WeHo with my husband and we called you at four in the morning. 50 times? Because <laughs> I thought it would be funny. You just kept face, you guys, he kept FaceTiming me and just dancing. <laughs> Literally just dancing. I mean, you guys, which, which one of you doesn't want to get that call from me? I know. You know I, what I mean? Yeah. You're lucky. You're so lucky. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're so <laughs> the gifts that you bestow. Blessed, you know and what I mean? You can't fathom the intensity of the fuck <laughs> I do not give. Um anyway, on me uh, blind we stumble. <laughs> so she's making these sort of gory, kind of like softcore porny kind I think of they're movies. cool. I mean, when I was like young and I wanted to do film, this was the kind of shit I wanted sure. to do. Like and I wanted she, to like run around on rooftops with fake blood and pretend to yeah. die. And she was happy. And listen, show business is all about stepping stones. Honestly, I really mean that. Nobody makes what it right. What step is this, girl? This I, podcast for you. <laughs> Uh, it's going down. Yeah. It's slowly, it's slowly going. It's like, you know how Jack and Joe went down the hill? Yeah. I'm just, it's like they just fell down. And you're the fucking pail so following me down. Can I have some falling down yeah. music? Like, boop, 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 Oh, you were doing so well, too. I know. Unemployed actor. Anyway, no, but it's true. I mean, she didn't go to college. So, like, you know, she liked being on set and you learned well, things Excuse me, on she went set. to AMDA. It's a certificate program, Ellen. She okay. Didn't graduate. She only went for a year. It's oh a two-year certificate program. She even dropped out of AMDA. Okay. <laughs> the American Musical and Dramatic Academy. The work gave Sitara a creative outlet and kept her away from some of the more dangerous temptations of the Hollywood social scene that had lured her when she first arrived. I think that being in her early 20s and going out and drinking too much and kind of being in the scene too much, it's something that we all did. In Los Angeles, drugs are everywhere. You will go to a party and it's not uncommon to see people doing lines off a table. It's not uncommon to see people who have pot on them all the time. And she was also doing some recreational drugs and partying and participating in the scene. And, yeah. You know, Laura tells us that uh, cocaine hey, was everywhere. Hang on a second. Laura is telling us about this afternoon party she's having on the roof of her building in like West Hollywood or whatever. Yeah. There's a fucking hot tub. What like fancy building did they live in that they're, they're at this party at like two in the afternoon drinking beer sitting in a hot tub on a roof? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've done fairly well in my career. I don't have a hot tub on my roof. I mean, it's LA. I feel like that's... <gasps> Is that a thing? Mary? I don't know. Who needs to be in hotter water in LA? Uh, you know, it's mean? a great question. But you I... know what? It's 108. I'm gonna go get in the hot tub on the roof. Yeah, blaring sun. I'm cold in the sun. You know. Okay. <laughs> 
I'm so tiny and I like to sit in the hot tub, yeah, even on a hot day, because yep. I'm so cold all the time, because I have no body fat except in my boobs that are so big. I just shake them all around. You, guys, all you should see the way he's like dancing in his chair. <laughs> the but only fat on my body is in my boobs. It's in my boobs. Don't go up in your high register okay, like so that. We have two sorry. live shows. <laughs> Anyway, but anyway, Satara is upset. She's crying on this rooftop because she's saying, I'm on drugs. And she's basically saying, I'm struggling and nobody even notices right yes, now. Yes, exactly. Oh, also, this is, okay. So they talk about how self-absorbed LA is. Remember when I told you this fact? I thought LA was like the most self-absorbed city in America. Snot. Do you know what the most self-absorbed, statistically the most self-absorbed city like is? Like Salt Lake City. Miami. Oh, And yeah. then <laughs> I got curious, you know, because I like to go on deep dives for absolutely no reason. Uh-huh. And I wondered what the most self-centered country in the world is according to a study and guess what country it is everyone say what country you think it is out loud it's russia oh yeah because they said the residents on average believe their country contributed to 61 percent of the world's history (laughs) go off russia (laughs) go off with your egotistical self oh my god oh hell Wow. There you go. By the time she started working on her indie films, Sitara seemed to have progressed, not just in her career, but in her personal life as well. She met her boyfriend at the time through doing movies, and I think that it was a really positive influence on her life. She had a lot of friends, and she could call them, but somebody that you knew was always there if you needed something. Having a stable boyfriend made me feel a lot better. But by the summer of 2011, only one year later, everything had changed. Satara gets like a steady boyfriend and Mama Sharon feels better about it. And he seems like to be legitimately a good dude. Yeah, but then things go downhill again. Pretty fast. (laughs) By the summer of 2011, things had changed for the worst and the boyfriend is calling Mama Sharon to be like, she's doing drugs and like serious drugs. Like she's got like track marks on her arms. Yeah, so she went into the hospital in 2010 and they just say abdominal stuff. What do you think that is? I was like, that's vague. I don't know. But again, guys, Mama Sharon is in is in some deep, deep denial. Again, yeah. I I, I want to keep reiterating this. I'm not victim blaming her, but there is a lot of this story that we're not getting. And also, friend Laura has had it. She's moving the fuck back to Canada. Yeah, I'm, you know got, what? I'm fucking out of here. I this, would go back to Canada. This hot tub's not as great as it used to be. Yeah, it's you know what I mean. Not. Turns out it's 150 degrees here all the time. I don't even use the hot tub. I, love I was it. staying for the hot tub, and now I'm out. Send me there. So because Satara did again, she did this small stint in the hospital. She She lost her apartment because she wasn't able to work and then wasn't able to pay rent. So now best friend Laura has gone back to Canada and Satara is sort of couch hopping, crashing at friends' places. And like this is the part where Satara gets those narcotics charges. And this is where Mama Sharon is like, someone is forcing her to do this. It's got to be the people that she fell in with. She's not making any choices on her own. Mama Sharon is like me when yeah. I went to high school yeah. thinking that people were going to inject me with cocaine. Yeah, she's like, people are, people are injecting her with drugs. <laughs> They're holding her down. I know. I was like, Mama Sharon, I understand. That it, that must be so upsetting for any family member that has to do with it, but she's not. She's taking drugs. It's around her. It's in the scene. And like, now, I just wish she would say like- But this does go to a place where 
it goes so far off the rails that she that Satara is easily manipulated. So we do get there. Yeah. But I, I think she's making her own choices at this point. I also think it's just a disservice to someone's life to erase all accountability. Yeah. It's sad though. Yeah. No one wants to admit that. And no one wants to admit that they're not okay. Yes. You know, it just it doesn't really serve the story though. So they tell us that the dad and probably life partner and French bulldog <laughs> drive down to LA to like help her get a new apartment. Which they do. The, the dad we who we don't learn his name or anything. Right. So he gets her set up in a new apartment and they she starts going to meetings and life is kind of, you know, on an upswing. But then friend Laura comes back from Canada. She comes for a visit to LA in spring 2011. She can't stay away. Yeah. And she says that, she says this thing that she's like. She looked like she'd been on a salary diet for about a month. She was really, really underweight. Looked a little gaunt. She looked like she needed sleep and she didn't seem happy, but she said, no, 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 I'm fine. She looked like she'd been on a celery diet for a month. That sounds like a real thing. Well, yeah, the gays are like, she's skinny, <laughs> But like, is Don't a... be a judging bitch. <laughs> she's just fucking skinny. <laughs> but wait, is like a celery diet a thing people actually talk about in Los Angeles? No. Like, do people at, like just eat celery? I don't know. I really, really don't. I mean, that sounds like eating disorder territory to me. Uh-huh. I mean, we used to joke in college that we all needed to be on a steady diet of rice and ice. You remember we used to say that? <laughs> no, because like, I was like, I'm on a steady diet of of fried chicken sandwiches and that frozen, that endless frozen yogurt buffet. Uh, remember, remember New York pizza across yes. from the little building? It was so gross. Oh, so gross. <laughs> no, but what she was saying was that she was just like gaunt and it was just kind of like, you know, the outward manifestations of her insides on the outside. It was very sad. She didn't look well. I just love the idea that at like the dining hall in college, when I get up for my thirds of frozen yogurt, you all are like, the rice and ice diet's not working for her. <laughs> What's wrong with her rice More and ice? ice. <laughs> Cream. You're just in the corner. <laughs> You guys, our dining hall in college is where it was at. So good. It was really good. You could good. sit for like hours. You, it, and was, just like it was an endless heaven eat. buffet. You yeah. could just eat anything. It was really good. So anyway, listen to your girlfriends. Block I out paid the my gaze. college loans for 20 years. I paid for that for 20 years. Every chicken sandwich I had, if you were to do the math, probably cost $180. Oh, it's, it, was such, it was such a racket. <laughs> The dining hall was such a racket. But you go, never everyone had to should watch go to AMDA. The- Just go to AMDA. <laughs> oh, so Laura was worried. The gays are like, she looks great. <laughs> totally. Don't ever list. Block out the gays. Always block out the gays. <laughs> when it comes to like physical appearance, yes. Do you remember when I went through like my trauma and I was so freaking skinny after that whole thing? I, you really were so skinny. I looked so horrible. What were your gays saying? Everyone was like, Bitch, you look fucking great. I look back, I look like a walking skeleton. What would what would uh, the lake bottom have said? Bitch, <laughs> Jeremy, I'm struggling. But honey, that, those, that waist is not that waist is not struggling. No, I literally can't keep my pants on. Anyway, for another podcast. So she didn't look good. So it's two thousand. <laughs> So it's 2011. Satira's boyfriend calls and says, 
she's on heroin. Yeah. And Laura didn't know she was using any drugs heavier than cocaine. I was like, Laura, maybe we can have a conversation about that. It's yeah. okay. Also, like, cocaine's heavy enough, everyone. Yeah, exactly. Like, when you're on the cocaine, like, let's start the let's rehab there. Let's start the conversation. Yeah, yeah. So Mama Sharon was upset. And honestly, nice boyfriend, we never get his name, was like, now this too is much. too much. So nice boyfriend pieces out, which, again, made things worse. So between August and October of 2011, she was in and out of rehab, and she got three more counts of possession. Yeah. And Mama Sharon basically said there's only one explanation. Someone is pumping her full of drugs and enabling this behavior. I know. I was like, honey. I know. I know. Sharon believed a man who befriended Satara on the set of one of her movies in 2010 was the person enabling her daughter's heroin habit. This guy was apparently working lighting, and he had a car, and no one else she knew had a car, and she needed somebody to take her to her court appearance. And that's how they became friends together. According to Sharon, Sitar's friendship with this man coincided with her downward spiral. So Mama Sharon was like, you know, every time she comes out of rehab, this man reappears, and then her vicious cycle of drug use continues. So Mama Sharon was like, this dude is bad news. And you know, Mama Sharon is right. Like, this is real. This yeah, is true. Yeah. So it's January 2011. We're back where we started. It's now been two months since Mama Sharon has heard from her. And she says, now I'm using the private investigator who was also her bail bondsman. What? Yeah. That's a thing? Yeah. You're allowed to be a bail bondsman and a PI and you're allowed to like, I, what does a bail bondsman do? I think they know, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's, if I'm if I'm a bail bondsman, I'm like, all right, I'm giving you 10, you know, your $10,000. If you don't show up from court, that's going to turn into $20,000. And I'm going to break your knees? Yeah, I think it's But like, also hire me to be a private investigator? Yeah, I don't this know. All, this doesn't seem like- He's also a notary. <laughs> he also is an efficient, so if you need to get married. He just has a lot of certificates. I think they're just certificates. It just seems like a conflict of interest. Yeah. You know I feel what I mean? like Bail Bondsman's going to be like, Bail Bondsman here. Yeah. I am all, like, I don't know. He's got different hats. Yeah. For when he's doing different things. I mean, Bail Bondsman basically says, I'll put up this money because a bail is to show up for court. Yeah. And if you don't show up for court, you're fooked. Right. I'm just saying you shouldn't, it doesn't seem like it should be legal that you can be the bail bondsman and the PI. Agreed. So Mama Sharon is deep, deep in denial. Now, listen. I'm not Willy Wonka. I'm not here to sugarcoat shit. Yeah. Mama Sharon's in a deep, deep state of denial. For Sharon, there could be only one other reason why Satara would stay out of touch for so long. It was towards the end of January that the bail bondsman said, after three months, we usually start considering people dead. I always had the fear, but I just in my heart felt like she was still alive somewhere. When Satara's beloved grandmother passes away, and Sharon's appeals to her daughter still go unanswered. Hi, it's She me. begins to have doubts. Um, if you get this, please give me I a knew call. that if she had heard about her grandmother, she would have contacted. At this point, Mama Sharon just wants answers. She hasn't fucking heard from her kid in three months. I know. And Mama Sharon basically says, <laughs> this, this upsets me. She's like, she was so close to family. She wouldn't have done this. You're going to cry? No, no, no. I'm not okay. going to cry. It's I just, just like. I hear you getting nasally. No, no, no. It's just that like. Well, denial's the stage of grief. Yes. Do you do you want me to talk about it? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, no, she better don't. There's just like a lot of do's and don'ts when you're like handling a loved one that's like struggling with addiction and like devaluing the situation. The look of hope in your eyes when you asked me if I wanted you to talk about grief on our comedy podcast. <laughs> Like, the look of, like, 
Am I? He's is this, not is this, wrong. Is this, He's this not my wrong. Mo- is this my moment? Is this my moment? Listen, she's prone to hyperbole, but she's right in this moment. I got, I got really excited. I'm just saying, don't ignore the problem. She's okay. ignoring the problem. That's all. Is that, that's all? And addiction is a progressive disease. Yeah. You should love your loved one and help them out of it. Just- the people like the people walking up and down the hall must think that we are an insane couple having the weirdest fight what if security comes (laughs) if security comes you guys we're gonna keep this shit rolling like we're just talking really loudly about this thing and the people outside must think we're fighting about it (laughs) you can't de-escalate the severity of someone's addiction (laughs) anything this hotel does not care i want to speak to the manager A few days after some of Sitara's friends plaster Hollywood with missing persons posters, Sharon finally gets a lead. We started getting people saying that they thought they had sighted her, but it was giving more hope that she's alive. To Sharon, the location of the sightings is troubling. They are all in the vicinity of the residence of one of Sitara's known associates. The man who Sharon feels certain was complicit in her daughter's dangerous spiral into drugs. People are seeing her, and like, and Mama Sharon then follows up on everything. She's like, have you heard from Satara lately? I was like, I okay, know. I mean, honestly. But so in February 2012, Sharon drives the 2,000 miles from Tennessee to L.A. I'm like, were all of the airplanes broken? <laughs> And also, did we wait it that long? Okay, okay. <laughs> I know. I mean, I guess, like, you need your car once you get there. Sure. Yes, because you do, because, yeah, all the rental cars. Let's make up a scenario. Yeah. All the Hertzes were out of cars. Okay. But, like, this is where we're getting, like, a divergence in the story. Because Mama Sharon is like, she's been missing for three months. And, like, her friends are like, no, girl. Like, we've seen her and we communicate with her on the internet. Like, Satara is communicating with friend Laura in Canada. And friend Laura is like, I'm checking in with her and asking her if you're okay. Like, your mom is saying you're missing. And she's like, no, I just don't want to see anyone. And she just kept texting, like, no, I'm fine. But so no one's talking to her. Right. People are texting and communicating. And we never get a definitive answer on if this was her or not. Right. And so Mama Sharon... <laughs> Mama Sharon's putting up posters all over Hollywood and in the reenactment they're putting up posters with like one little piece of tape and she's like well someone kept tearing them down I was like no babe yeah you didn't put enough tape that's what's happening okay it's sunny but the wind still blows babe plaster that shit with some tape or get you get the a staple gun I wrote the OWD live show of it all yeah I know (laughs) you guys there's a whole moment in the live show if you know you know Anyway, all to say she's convinced this guy she's staying with is taking down the posters. I was like, no. This case came to my attention in late February through an email from uh, Sharon. And in that email, there's a couple of points that it piqued my attention. That is that Sitara might be in the Hollywood area. That was number one. Number two, there was a named individual that was in her company. So I wanted to see what that individual was all about. When Detective Carmine Sasso of the LAPD Adult Missing Persons Unit begins looking into this man's history, he's concerned by what he finds. So we meet Carmine Sasso, who's the adult missing person for the LAPD. Because finally they're taking it seriously. They're finally looking for her. And he tells us about this dude. Carmine is looking into the guy, the guy that like Satara has been like living with or whatever. The one that Mama Sharon thinks is holding her against her will. Right. His name, can you say his name? Paul Canned. Can Cantanesco. No, Cantanescu. Cantanescu. Paul Cantanescu. You guys, if the name sounds familiar, it's because you've seen him on fucking 
to catch oh, a predator. This, this did you watch it? I watched. Uh, I watched the, to catch a predator. This man looks like he smells like morning breath. You guys, you know how Pee Wee Herman is amazing, and then but he did that weird thing where he masturbated in a theater, and there was that mugshot of him where he looked awful. Like if you think of uh, that mugshot of Pee Wee Herman, this guy looks like that guy's like slimier brother. Like yeah, like do you know what I'm talking he, about? Oh, I know exactly. Like yeah. that was him on his best day. Yes, the mugshots of this guy are so fucking disgusting. He actually looks like like he, he, he looks he, like he smells like morning breath. <laughs> he's so fucking disgusting. And but the cops look even, into him oh. and he's on like the registered sex offenders list because of his appearance on To Catch a Predator. And we learn that after that in two thousand in two th- <laughs> years What God get me out of this hotel. <laughs> So in 2009, this piece of actual human garbage yeah. served under one year in jail. Can we hold the gross guys longer I in know. jail? I know. And they're like, well, he's a registered sex offender. I'm like, great. I do, Can we just keep him in jail? I do wonder about the to catch a predator thing, though, because it's like they arrest them for not actually doing anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you did come here to have sex with this 13-year-old girl. You brought condoms and booze. Ugh. And they arrest you, but you didn't actually do it. That's so, uh, this, my thing about To Catch a Predator, and I know people hate it. We yeah. we get DMs all the time about how it's bad or whatever. Why do the guys stay? When that guy walks through the door and he's like, what are you doing here? Why aren't you running the fuck out the door? Yeah, I don't know. They think they can explain their way out of it. Maybe. Yeah, I just I, I just really like lemonade. Yeah. <laughs> On February 27th. Detective Sasso issues an official LAPD press release seeking information on the whereabouts of both Sitara Stratton and Paul Constantinescu. Almost immediately, the story is picked up and run on national and international news outlets where Sitara's friend Laura catches the story. Despite having heard from Sitara via text a little more than a month earlier, Laura is greatly troubled by the information in the news reports. So it's February 2007. Detective Sasso opens a press release. The story is picked up nationally. Uh-huh. Best friend Laura, remember, is in Canada. Yeah. And she's like, wait, what? Yeah. And w- this is the mugshots that Patrick was talking about before. These mugshots, it's not great. They're not great. She looks super fucking annoyed in one of them. It's just like, oh, my God. And the, you know that, like, thing where they just sort of evolve and the pictures get worse and worse? You know, we've kind of, like, seen it when yeah. people are on drugs and they we sort of watch them, you know, dissolve picture by picture. It's yeah. really sad. And it's, like, it's an international news story now because it's, like, a pretty missing blonde white girl and this, like, fucking creepy guy. And there's, like, basically a manhunt for them. So after seeing those mugshots, Laura tries calling Satara and now Satara gives no response. Remember, she was just texting back before. Yes, yeah. Now she, and she's like, hey, so your mom's saying you're missing and the news is saying you're missing, yeah. but you told me you were fine. What's going on? So we learned that like the last time Satara was seen alive was with this Paul guy at his residence behind the Hollywood Rubber Stamp Company, which is where he fucking works. I Googled that shit today. Still in operation. Uh... I look, but it's it, like, it's not like a real business. It looks like a creepy fucking house in North Hollywood. It's so gross. It's so gross. What do you, what's a rubber stamp company? It feels like a drug cover up. It feels right. some, like some Walter White rubber shit. Rubber stamp? Right? I don't know what that is. Money laundering, which is not washing your money? No. (laughs) I don't know. At 12.30 p.m., Detective Carmine Sasso sits down with Paul Constantinescu 
to talk to him about Satara Stratton. In this particular interview, my strategy was to start off with a list of questions, basically to see if he was telling the truth. Uh, a lot of the questions I already knew the answers to through my research of his background. So I wanted to see what his response would be. After spending about a half hour getting a read on Paul, Sasso steers the conversation to the missing girl. They track this guy Paul down and they bring him in. And he is pretty honest, but when he brings up Satara, he's like, oh, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. I haven't seen her in six weeks. She came around looking for money. I didn't have any. And she's gone. And Carmine is like not falling for it. Well, Carmine is also the nicest cop. I've, <laughs> like the nicest private investigator. He's like, uh, I, saw, I saw your work on Catch a Predator. Um, uh, yeah. Can we talk about this? And he was... And he, he doesn't get the answers that he wants. And he starts saying, like, you know... He's oh, like, he's gonna... either produce Satara or I'm going to follow you around for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah, but he says it in, like, the nicest possible way. Yeah, as he's, like, flinging his business card at the guy. Yeah. And then we are told that, like, two days later, Satara, who we uh, presume is dead at this point, miraculously appears at Mount Sinai Hospital. This was, yeah, because Carmen Sasso was like, if you don't start complying, yeah. I will make your life very unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> Aww, she's the cutest. But you know, Satara's alive. She's come in on like a heroin overdose. They call Mama Sharon. The British actress, hello. <laughs> yes. It is truly not to be believed, no. this British actress. And that's it. Mama Sharon like runs back out to see her and there's like a happy reunion. And then, and then fucking Satara's here. And... It should be said that, like, when Satara was in the hospital, she was like, will someone call my mom? Yeah. I love my mom. Like, you could just tell she was, you know, in a really bad place. And, you know, she's like, I love the reenactment actress. Like, I love you, too, darling. And, <laughs> and so now Satara is, like, here for the interview. And she sort of breaks down what happened for us that day. After I hung up the phone with my mom, he was there to pick me up. And we drove off. I really didn't think I had another option. I had nowhere else to go. My mom was still back in Tennessee. My dad was in San Francisco. And he shot me up right there in the car. And it was like, um, I want more. And that was that. And then it was like I couldn't get away from him. She, like, became an addict and couldn't leave. And you I know, mean, she tells this awful, terrifying story about how, like, the drugs become the prison. Because if you try to get off the drugs, like, you get so sick without oh, them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, Detox and so, like, is a real thing. Right. And so, like, she's stuck with this guy, this guy that she thought was her friend, who's now her, like, enabler and her drug yeah. supplier. And, like, when she would be, like, high on drugs, he would, like, forcibly have sex with her. Yeah. I mean, you know, th there is a, a definite victimness to that I think it's like a psycho I mean it's just it's scary and it's sad the reason I was just upset at Mama Sharon was because she did have to somewhat participate in that and it's not her fault she yeah. wasn't well yes. she wasn't mentally well I just feel like all of that denial pushed away getting her help faster yes. and finding her faster she was on a bender for four and a half months but Satara did say that she did find solace in the fact that she knew deep down that 
her mother never stopped looking for her Uh and that made her feel good. Of course she wouldn't. The love is there. It's just, it's really hard to accept and see the ugly side of people that we love. And it's just awful. Like they're able to get Paul on a probation violation because they found drugs in his house. So he like, you know, they throw him in jail for a minute, but he denies ever like having forcible sex with Satara. He denies that he was holding her against her will or that he was supplying her drugs. He said he was just her friend trying to help her. Obviously, like, I don't believe of that. Of course not. No, no. He he is disgusting. He yeah. is an ab- No, and he took Can a- I refer you to his episode of To Catch a Predator? I really, honestly. You know what like, I mean? He is, he's a disgusting creep, and he totally took advantage of the situation. Yeah. And, and it was really sad. And, you know, the thing that they kind of allude to is nobody knows the real story, because even Satara is a little vague on some of the details. Yeah. So that's sort of where the story ends. Unfortunately, Satara still struggled and went through a lot. And about five years later, on February 4th, 2017, Satara passed away in her home from an alleged overdose. Yeah. And that's a really, really sad end that she wasn't able to, you know, get help. And I do think that her mother was so deep in denial for her heroin addiction. I I don't know. I I feel for everybody involved. And if you are suffering from substance abuse and you don't see a way out, please call 1-800-662-4357. And I don't mean to come down on the mom. I just, it, it, you know, denial, it gives you more time to hold on to your intense feelings and not deal with them. I don't know. It's just, it's a sad end. Yeah. Say something funny. You hot top sunbathing batch. Oh, thank you for welcoming my voice back to the podcast. You sound great. <laughs> you you all, you need to give him some big old props. It is hard for her to keep her mouth shut for that long. And she did it. I have I know. bets against you. I was on solid vocal rest and no alcohol consumption for all of Thanksgiving week, you guys. Honestly, that sounds kind of fun. I, I can't. I can't yeah. engage with you. I'm so, my voice. You guys, if you want more Ellen and me, join us on the Patreon, three full ad-free bonus episodes every month to download a binge. Tell them the series that we did. We're doing Who the Bleep Did I Marry? We've done Snap. We've done See No Evil. We does. We does. We does. <laughs> Evil lives here. And Who the Bleep? And we have a list going. We yeah. have a running list. Tell them about the AMA that you did and why they should listen to it. Uh, Ellen did a solo <laughs> AMA while, while I was not speaking, but I edited it and I made my voice heard. It, it is. I made it. I was super nervous to record it without Patrick. I got a little bit emotional and I listened to it on my own. And let me just say, Patrick added his spice in there without (laughs) being there. And it genuinely made me belly laugh. You can find that on the Patreon right now. It's really worth a listen. We love you guys. Follow us on social media. We're at The Disappeared Pod on the Instagram. I'm at Ellen Marsh on Instagram. And he's at Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram. We're also on Twitter. Should we start a talk? Uh, Sure. (laughs) And join the Facebook group, Obsessed with Disappear podcast discussion group. All of our besties are there. We really have a blast. We love connecting with you, so find us on socials. And I love you. I love you. All right. All right. Bye. bye. Okay, give me your sound check. Check one, two, three. Anything but that. Anything Anything but but that. that. Did you do that on purpose? No. That's really cute. We have done. What else have we done? Yeah. What's his name? I can't pronounce it. Paul Candice Candice. 
<laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what is wrong with us? Uh. And Mama Sharon, you know, the British actress, calls and is like, hello, Satara. <laughs> if you could give me a call. I'm like, come on. I know. That's uh, information you didn't need to know today. I love that. Ellen Jennifer, Marshall. keep it. That's great.